Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a Mi'kmaq Matters patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. We thank you for your financial support. One of the ways that our Mi'kmaq ancestors have kept in touch with us is through petroglyphs or rock carvings. There are more than 500 of them in Kajibukujik, Nova Scotia, the largest collection that we know about. But there are others, and now one has been found in Newfoundland in Conception Bay North. The outpouring of interest in a series of little carvings shows how hungry we are to fill in some of the blanks in our knowledge of the island's indigenous history. Since the announcement of the find, Mun archaeologist Barry Galton has received calls from across the island about what may be other Mi'kmaq petroglyphs. I spoke with Barry Galton about how the find came to be and what it tells us about the island's indigenous past. I understand a resident reported these petroglyphs and you guys followed up. Did, did that resident call you directly or call the uh, department at Mun? No, actually, yeah, he contacted me um, about about the carvings. This was back in fall 2017. And, you know, he told us um, a little bit about them and that he had, you know, heard about them from some elderly gentlemen in the community. And when he visited the site, he, because they were, you know, largely uh, covered over with lichens, he um, actually scrubbed them down or cleaned them, I guess, for lack of a better word, and revealed all these, you know, wonderful, uh, wonderful glyphs underneath the lichen. So uh, he contacted us about it, and as soon as we saw the pictures, we, I sort of assembled uh, a team to uh, to come and visit the site and then to start recording it hmm. to again to, to determine about it in terms of, you know, its potential age. Uh, the cultural affiliation and its importance, and it turns out, you know, these things are the first, the first ones, the first indigenous petroglyphs found on the island. So, yes. it's, uh, so it's quite he, something. Uh, he he had found out about them uh, recently as well from this elder, as as far as you understand. Yes, yeah, it was an elderly elderly gentleman in the community, and actually, since those news stories, I've heard from another one in the community who who tells who tells a similar tale in terms of you know back in the 1940s and 50s when some of these uh, older gentlemen were kids at the time, you know, in behind their community, uh, coming across this sort of crevice or cave and um, crawling into it and finding these, uh, you know, what was left of these inscriptions. And uh, so it, it, it's, it's sort of been, I guess, passed on just to a few a few people. This, uh, the person who reported them had a chance to talk to the elder, elderly gentleman who knew about them because it might have been that they might never been, have been found without that connection having been been made. Exactly, and that's the, I think that's the shame of a lot of uh, you know a lot of this sort of these these uh, oral traditions and stories uh, of people today that are not really getting passed down to the same extent say that they would have maybe a couple of generations ago. Mm-hmm. And yes, we I mean yes I mean all across the country, you know we're in danger of some losing some of these important traditions. And this luckily yes was passed down to say the right person who. I shouldn't say the right person, but someone who contacted us, and then we were able to sort of move forward and and try to 
try to sort of make this a little bit more public and disseminate this information and, you know, what it potentially means and its importance. So, yeah. uh, so hats, off, hats off to him. Let's talk about the, these glyphs uh, specifically. The, the news reports referred to petroglyphs in the plural. Is there uh, – I get the sense from the picture that there's one – there's one carving rather than a series of carvings, uh, or perhaps I'm not right about that. Well, no, no, you're right. I mean, it's a, a petroglyph basically is a carved image, so there are several images. It's, it's basically a, a panel, basically a small area with several glyphs, like a, a couple of sort of human-like figures, anthropomorphs. There's a, like a vulva symbol. There's a little donkey or horse in there, and there's some writing as well. So there's a you know, together it's we say they're a series of glyphs because it's more than just say one one particular image right. or symbol. It's several sort of within a within a sequence. Yes, and I'm looking at a picture now. And what what area in the um, what area do they cover? How big is it? Oh, it's tiny, tiny. You could stretch out your hand, Glenn. Stretch out your hand and fingers, and it's no more than that. It's uh, you know, oh boy. Maybe about eight inches by seven inches. It's a mm. tiny, tiny, but you know, very well executed series of carvings. Mm -hmm. Very small. Like um, it's they're stunningly small when you actually come across them. And the image, the image is sort of obviously it's a, it's blown up, and you know, people people imagine them as being quite large. But I think the scale there really shows in centimeters there on the side that it's actually quite quite small. It's amazing, really, that someone. Um knew about them, um, knew they were there, uh, hidden by this lichen, because they are, it is quite a small series of drawings. Yes, and and within that sort of subterranean, sort of, you know, under, in this crevice or cave location, it's not it's not something that you'd notice. It's a, you know, casual passerby would be hiking in the area or walking past. You wouldn't know until you sort of crawled into that crevice. Hmm. So, uh, you know, that's sort of, uh, you know that's another thing it's it was sort of uh, it, it's it seems to us to be a sort of a personal or an intimate uh, representation as opposed to you know um Barry was here carved out on a rock on a trail you know something that was meant to be seen by others this is this is something different so do you imagine this was made by one person at a Perhaps there was something going on in the maker's life at that time, and he was he or she, I guess, might have been expressing something very personal in these drawings. Is is that the way you see it, or do you imagine it was done for a larger group uh, ceremonial purpose? No, I think I think you're right on the first count. I think it, it you know we can't say for certain if it was one individual, but it looks based upon the sort of the details that we've looked at in the carvings. It looks to have been made by you know one person within a you know a fairly short period of time, and again I think it, it is yes something personal, uh, you know whether uh, you know you can you can interpret these petroglyphs in many ways and people see different things in, in the glyphs, but but I think I think most people agree that yeah they, you know they probably are a personal um, a personal expression of something they may tell a story or you know. Uh, talk about something in someone's life at the time. There's all sorts of different ways people look at it, but again, there uh, it does nothing to sort of lessen the significance of these things. I think it's actually quite wonderful because people see different things in in the carvings, and uh, you know, people have different life journeys, and of course, this brings different interpretations. So I think it's, it's like quite something. Yes, and you you've described it as uh, you think uh, uh, describing a, a copulation scene uh, with perhaps some death overtone also so 
perhaps it's um uh, I'm not sure how we um how we read that, but I it could be the the series of life, I suppose, from the beginning to the end of if that's what it is, in fact. Yeah, that's so that's one idea, Glenn. When you look at it sort of from the right to the left, it could be a, a sort of a a life, like a birth, death uh, sort of representation, or another alternative is it could be a birth, uh, pregnancy, and you know, like a sort of a state different stages of one one interpretation is not a death a death um image but possibly you know a pregnant woman cradling a baby or there's again there's different things it's um there's different ways of looking at it so but it, it certainly there is a fertility symbol in there very clear uh, there's a lot of similarities between sort of the uh, male figure on the right and the uh, vulva motif sort of in the center. You see the same thing at, at Kejimakujik in Nova Scotia, and some of those sort of uh, fertility motifs, you see them in other places, uh, in Peterborough, Ontario, in Bedford Barrens in Nova Scotia, other places uh, in the Maritimes. And it's actually, it's uh, one of the team members, Brent Tapper, he's, he's doing his PhD at Mon on um, petroglyph sites in the Maritimes. And Brent actually is, you know, it's, the real driving force behind a lot of this interpretation, and he has a sort of a real broad skill set and knowledge about looking at these things in Kejimakujik and other places that, again, he is really, uh, really drawing on his last few years of uh, sort of research on that to sort of try to help us draw this out in, in association, obviously, with the, we taught, brought uh, our Chief Misil Joe down there a month or so ago. And, you know, our, our plan is to actively work with and talk to and try to try to figure this out in in tandem with um with indigenous communities yes now you you said that uh, you uh your assumption is that they were made after the arrival of the europeans in um, this part of the world yes um, but uh that they were made by an indigenous uh person uh, most likely and yes. you've mentioned the the glyphs at uh, Kijimukujik and and elsewhere um and so and i guess your colleague is sort of seeing similarities similarities in style between those other glyphs and this one so and how and how would that come to be because would there have been people traveling back and forth how would what would inform someone in this area um uh, about what was happening across the water in what we now know as Nova Scotia. Well, I mean, it's safe if uh, I mean there we've been sort of very uh, vague or sort of cautious in terms of our interpretation as to when they were carved and who carved them. Um, so you know, there's it, it could be anywhere, Glenn. Based upon based upon the historical research we've done in terms of you know indigenous presence in that part of Newfoundland, there's. There's accounts from the late 17th century, obviously right on into the late 19th and early 20th century, uh, and most of the 19th and 20th century accounts obviously uh, pertain to the Newfoundland Mi'kmaq. Um, and of course, you know, there was the, the, the Newfoundland Mi'kmaq were moving back and forth between Nova Scotia and Newfoundland. They still, I believe, they still do today to some extent. And um, again, it might be part of their, you know, cultural traditions. These sort of symbols, and there seems it seems they have been a broad. Um, there's some broad similarities between what you see in in the Maritimes, and this is just I think the Newfoundland example is just one of one of many, um, which which shows these you know similar vulva and uh, sort of male 
fertility and female fertility sort of kind of motifs. They seem to be sort of a, a real broad tradition, mm. and I think it's just part of that tradition. Mm. Now, you and your colleagues are using this very modern equipment uh, uh, photogrammetry, I think it's called, to to analyze these carvings. So modern modern techniques to analyze these ancient carvings. And what what questions uh, do you think you can answer uh, with technology? Well, the, the technology itself allows us to, you know, get in there, the photogrammetry and the HRTI. We can photograph and then we can view these things on a screen. We can actually measure them with, like, absolute precision. Uh, so measure the size of them. We can go in and look at how they were carved in terms of, you know, the, the inscriptions themselves. To look, they, they look to be, you can really tell that they were, you know, V-shaped carving. So they're cut with a, probably the point in the edge of a metal knife. So all these are very important elements and details which help us to interpret the carvings. And it also allows us when you, when you're able to blow these things up in such huge detail, you can see the, actually the sequence of how they were actually carved, like, you know, from start, roughly, from start to finish, you know, what, what was started first and what was laid on later. And so, again, these, these, these sort of techniques, again, and this is largely, and I mean, full credit to Bryn Tapper, and he has one of our team members. Bryn is, is, uh, has been using these um, photogrammetry and HRTI techniques in places like Kejimakujik and Bedford Barrens and other places. And, again, he's, he's, he's drawing from that expertise to, to uh, photograph and record and then uh, we then interpret those ones from uh, Conception Bay North as well. So it's, uh, it's, it's sort of well-trodden ground. It's not, it's, it hasn't been untested, and this, Bryn is bringing that really great skill set uh, to bear uh, on these sites, uh, on this site, sorry, in Conception Bay North. Mm. Now, you, met, you mentioned that uh, since the announcement of these glyphs, you're getting calls from other people with other discoveries. Tell me a bit about that. Yes, well, since uh, since I guess there was a, a local news story in the Compass, the Conception Bay North newspaper, and then in the Telegram, which is the, uh, the Newfoundland Labrador newspaper, um, I think at the end of it, when I was interviewed, I said, you know, I'd be happy to hear from anyone if they uh, are aware of rock carvings in their community, and I, I certainly am, and the, the team certainly are, because we, we'd like, you know, we'd like to hear about these things, and you know, this is the only way without the community input and local input. We're never going to really get a full picture or a more or a more complete picture of what's actually out there. And of course, these things are getting covered in lichen, and the stories about these carvings are be getting lost uh, as time goes on. So yeah, well, I've heard I've heard from people from you know Central Newfoundland, the Bay Saint George, uh, different parts of the Avalon. It, it, it's actually quite wonderful, and um, you know I've gotten promises from people to you know send me pictures, and I've already received some pictures and. So it's uh, it's the interest has exploded, and um, you know I suspect if there's, I mean who can say for certain, but if there's one of these indigenous uh, carvings on the island of Newfoundland, well then you know why not more? Uh, it's I don't think it's a one-off. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, so Glenn, who knows really what's out there? And this is where a community input, um, uh, you know, indigenous community input. Um, Newfoundland, uh, people of European descent, community input. Uh, we, we'd like to know um, because if we're ever going to find out, we're really going to sort of crack this and figure out what's going on. And and, it, and these things are great. They tell us about the movements of people. You know, there's not there's not a lot of records on the daily movements of ordinary individuals, whether they're indigenous or they're of European descent. 
these things are rarely talked about in the historical record. This is one extra piece of evidence now we have to sort of demonstrate, you know, people moving across the land. So this is sort of a tangible, a tangible piece of evidence for that, mm-hmm. for an indigenous presence on this part of the Avalon, which is traditionally you would associate it with, you know, English settlement and Irish settlement. I imagine there are people out there uh, who would love to go to uh, this uh, this cave and see these uh, glyphs uh, for themselves. When when do you think uh, the location will be announced and will be prepared uh, to receive uh, visitors who want to see them? Yeah, that that's a wonderful that's a great qu- question, Glenn. I I lo- would love to, and I'm really eager to sit down with provincial officials and indigenous. Um, members as well, and to try to find this, you know, try to come to some kind of um, meaningful discussion, make a meaningful discussion about, you know, is there any way we can protect these things? It, they they should be available for the public to look at, um, and I know there are, yes, there is a lot of interest in this. Uh, I just, you know, if this is our first, you know, I hope it's not the last Indigenous carving found, but this is our first one, then I don't know, it would be nice to imagine something in place, whether it's sort of a a local kind of a stewardship thing, you know, that people in the community can keep an eye on this, or is there anything else we can do um, for for that particular site? Because it's so small, it's onto a rock face, you know. Uh, uh, I just sort of had nightmares thinking that one one person who does not, you know, who does not appreciate it, it could be defaced, it you know, it could be damaged, it could be cut out. You know, all these sort of things, you could sort of imagine the worst. But, but I'd like, I don't know, I'd like to know that if the, if the province has any thoughts on what we can do and if, you know, indigenous leaders have any thoughts uh, on what we can do, and then I'd love to uh, release it. I've been speaking to, to uh, many people uh, around the province now who'd love to see it, and um, I would I'd genuinely love to show people because, I'd, you know, we'd love their input. That that's how we're really going to come to understand these things. We like we want the input on these things and what people what people's feelings are on them. So hopefully sooner rather than later, I guess is maybe the the point. Barry Galton, associate professor of archaeology at Memorial University. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters, thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, The Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Mi'obagay, First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.